Hi, Gary Zacharias with another podcast here for The Apologist Bookshelf. The book uh, I wanted to look at today is called Christianity on Trial. Two authors named Carol and Shiflet. And uh, what they've done in this book is, uh, to agree, they don't shrink from these tragedies that have been perpetrated in the name of Christianity, but they, they argue that all this anti-Christian rhetoric is not only <laughs> bad taste, but it, they call it uh, willful historical illiteracy. That's pretty interesting. So um, let me share just some of the chapters that they have here. Christianity and slavery, what's the real story on that? Christianity and science, that's what I want to look at in a couple of minutes. Christianity and the Third Reich, was Adolf Hitler a Christian? Uh, answer, no. Christianity and charity, Christianity and the environment, Christianity and American democracy. So this book has been out about 20 years. So again, um, I always let you know if I think there are possibilities of finding used copies, and I would guess so in this one. But this is a good, solid, meaty kind of book to take a look at. Um, they've said that, you know, the story out there is that Christians have spent the last 2,000 years suppressing freedom and squashing individual rights and hating democracy and choking off any science and any kind of intellectual inquiry and that it was Christian intolerance that brought about wars and oppression and <clears throat> they've created the environmental mess that we've got today because they didn't care for the natural world. So they want to contrast that. And they said, well, sure, there, there are some things that have uh, gone wrong and been bad. But I said, we want to argue that the world is better off in many ways for the rise of Christianity. And they said, probably, if there had been no Christianity, it would be a crueler, poorer, and more provincial, as well as less democratic, creative, and informed world. So that's, uh, that's pretty valuable, I think, to have somebody speak up on behalf of Christianity. Because... What we're seeing these days, and this is what they're pointing out. Remember, this is 20 years ago. They're pointing out the mockery and the disparagement of Christianity and, and its heritage. And he says, we're, they said that we're seeing this all over the place, entertainment and in the arts and academia. And so uh, they said, we need a, something to counteract that. And they, they do mention, as I said, some of the problems with Christianity. But it says uh, there's an aggressive secularism out there that tries to confine all religion to a darkened sanctuary, as the way they put it. And I thought, good land, what would they say today? Uh, an aggressive secularism, it's way beyond aggressive. It's hostile and it's, it's uh, pretty violent. Well, toward the end of their introduction, they said that they are not stipulating or assuming the truth of the Christian faith. I don't even know if they are Christians. They never really say they said it's written about Christians, but not necessarily for them. And so they point out, as a result, the people that they're using as their authorities are historians, not theologians. And I think that's important to, to remember. Uh, anytime you read a book, if it's written by somebody who's already on your side, it seems like that's a little less credible. When I'm doing podcasts or when I'm doing uh, some of my PowerPoints and my presentations to classes at church or wherever, I try to indicate, hey, this is somebody who's not even sharing our faith, and yet he or she is backing up the point that we're trying to make. So I like to use others who are not necessarily Christians, but they make the point that Christians would, would make, and uh, so I think that's valuable. All right, so I would like to do a chapter on science, Christianity and science. Now, it's a fairly lengthy chapter, so that means I'm going to hurdle past some of the information, but at the beginning, they point out 
that the story out there by the secularists is that enlightened free thinkers uh, were able to finally shake off the suffocating dogma of Christianity after the Middle Ages, and then everything got a lot better. You know, the Middle Ages were those dark ages, and that there's been friction between Christians and secular intellectual inquiry. It's just been going on. It's a clash. It's <clears throat> religion, meaning basically irrationality and, and a leap of faith, is up against modern thought and science. And so that's what they're going to talk about. And they said, now, where did this come from? Well, they said it really wasn't until the 19th century that this idea of this conflict came about. And they said there was a man named John William Draper. Okay, he came out with a book called The Conflict Between Science and Religion. Can you hear that one? Okay, so he popularized the idea that the church had crushed the idea of a spherical earth. Okay, that gives you an idea of you know where he's going with this. So they say that actually um, Christianity has not been a drag on intellectual progress. It's been its inspiration and its spur. And they, they make a really good point here. They said, you know, if Christianity is so hostile to intellectual inquiry, how is it that modern science came out of the one civilization on earth that was grounded in the Christian worldview? Hmm. And they say, you know, maybe Christianity equipped its followers with a mindset that was disposed to pursue rather than retreat from scientific adventure. Okay, so again, let's, let's pick up on uh, some of the things that they're talking about here. Uh, they start off with uh, a little background about Christians rejecting things like cyclical time, you know, that, that history was going someplace. Christians believed that uh, history had a purpose, um, that Christianity undermined animistic taboos that said, "Woo, there are spirits inside fish or trees or whatever. We shouldn't mess with it. Christianity said, no, it's perfectly okay. And then uh, they said, <laughs> again, something that uh, goes against what a lot of people believe, that says most of the basic skills of modern technology before you had the electronics revolution came where? Came during the barbaric Middle Ages, the time of the barbarians, the knuckle-draggers. Really? Yeah, and so uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. And they have a whole section here on the creativity of the Middle Ages. And I'm not going to take the time on that, but uh, they mentioned, for example, St. Benedict in 529. He's the father not only of monasticism, but he, they call him the godfather of libraries. And so library, uh, the libraries, farming methods, the use of iron, there was a huge boost in the Middle Ages of productivity, nutrition, monasteries contributed to the agricultural revolution. They are fountains of new technology. They increased wool production. They used water wheels, uh, division of labor, powered machinery, labor-saving mechanical devices, the clock. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Medicine. These are all in the so-called dark ages. You know, they've gotten away from actually referring to that anymore. How about this? Windmills, blast furnace, spinning wheels, uh, paper, printing, mining, musical notation, pipe organs, crankshafts, gunpowder, rockets, compass. Wow, on and on and on. So we're not going to call those that time period the Dark Ages anymore. People don't. Uh, but it's out there. And unfortunately, a lot of people are still buying into it. The Middle Ages really was the preparation, it was the time period to prepare for the great scientific advances that were to come. What about Christian universities? It said, 
uh, these two authors say one more enduring institution from this Middle Ages uh, was credited to the Christian church. They were established by ecclesiastics. So the scholastic method, use of reason, things like that. So I'm going to skip over that. Moving ahead here, a little subsection, how Christians helped man the scientific vanguard. Well, like who? Well, Copernicus, Kepler, Galileo. Are they pretty big names? Yeah. They mention, uh, and I'm not going to take the time to get into it, but they go into the whole Galileo controversy, and uh, they said basically his great offense was disobedience. Uh, so we'll, we'll skip over that for now. Maybe I can pick that up some other time. So you've got people like Descartes and Newton, uh, on and on. I'm going to skip over it. So now let's get to these guys, Draper and a guy named Whit, um, White. There we go, Draper and White. They're the ones in the mid-1800s that wrote books that just slammed Christianity and threw it into a corner. Draper had the history of the conflict between religion and science. He said they're at war. They're at war. And his illustration especially is that they didn't believe in the spherical shape of the earth. Well, that's nonsense, and they explained why. And so they said White wrote a book called The History of Warfare of Science with Theology and Christendom and just uh, beat the heck out of Christians uh, using those two books. And those two books became, in a sense, gospel for people. And they said, you know, recently we're starting to head back toward the idea that there may be a God as a uh, as it comes, as you come to find out with the use of, oh, let's say, um, the anthropic principle, they're starting to discover the universe that seems to be prepared for people. It's, it's a just right universe. The fact that science now says the universe had a start, well, at one time, you didn't have to worry about there being a God. If there's an infinite universe and infinite time, almost anything can happen. But now where they're saying, no, there was a time when there was no universe, and now there is one. How did that happen? How do you get something out of nothing? Anyway, so they tell you a little bit in here about how science is actually leading some people back toward God. Okay, uh, let, me, let me skip over here another couple of pages. They said, you know, at the end of the chapter, at the very least, they said religion. So they start wrapping up the chapter by uh, a quote here from a scientist who says, Science is trending away from dispirited views of a merciless cosmos toward a new vision of creation as poignantly favorable to life. And uh, Niles Eldridge, they use him as a, a source of information. He's a curator at the American Museum of Natural History. Now, he doesn't buy into creationism. He's very hostile to that. But recently, he deplored what he called the arrogant intolerance of the scientists who claim that their science, evolution in particular, demonstrates unequivocally that there's no God. Well, not true. And then they end up the, the chapter by saying this, that, you know, if nothing else, religion can infuse science with moral restraint and humility. Boy, I'd say amen to that. You know, there's something called scientism. Now, Christians don't object at all to science. We're, we're happy that science is doing well. And science came out of the Christian um, mindset. But... You've got something called scientism that's coming along, which says science is the only basis for gaining knowledge. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty egotistical to, to say that, I think. And uh, basically, there, there tends to be less moral restraint. We're seeing some terrible things that science is saying, if we can do it, let's do it. 
And they're saying, well, religion can help science gain some moral restraint and humility. And I think that's really important. We need to know where the boundaries are and the limitations for science. Science can't tell you the really important things of life about love and happiness and why we're here and how to conduct our lives. And uh, they, they end a chapter by quoting from um, a, a historian who says, Christianity insists that knowledge carries responsibilities. And I think that's a good point. So there's the chapter in the book on science and Christianity. And I just want to mention uh, on the back of the book, Michael Novak said this, that it's a book that's written for a broad popular audience. And it says it talks about the heroes and the social activists of Christian history who ended slavery, built the world's first true hospitals and universities, showed how to raise up the poor, and taught the world ideals of law, peace, justice, and individual dignity. Chuck Colson calls it a valuable resource for believers and their family. So that's pretty high praise. So again, this is something you might uh, like Christianity on trial, uh, setting basically setting the record straight when it comes to history. And the subtitle is Arguments Against Anti-Religious Bigotry. So the two authors are Carol and Shiflet. And it is uh, an older book, but it's, it's dealing with history primarily. And so um, there's no need to say, well, it's older and I, I couldn't use it. Yes, you can. It's a valuable book. All right, well, that's it for this podcast. Thanks.